We are tidying up some loose ends right now. Ladies and gentlemen, on what is the hottest form of Alabama football talk, it's in my own words with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. I am live in studios. People, we will get to our special guest, which just so happened to be former Alabama defensive lineman turned JUCO coach Rudy Griffin. We will get to Coach Griffin some point in the offseason. Couldn't get with him today, but there's, there's more of a pressing matter on hand. And before we even get into the pressing matter, got to remind you of the Touchdown Alabama Magazine app. You need to get your hands on this technology. You will be very glad that you did. And the reason for that is we here at TDA, we thrive. We pride ourselves on, on providing you, the fans, the ever-loving consumer of Alabama football with the best in news, notes, and information on the very essence of your Crimson Tide program. You can download this app via the iPhone App Store, the Rockin' Team Apple, Google Play Store if you have the Android phone. Of course, the podcast options for In My Own Words at the bottom of the screen. If you're viewing audio pleasures, just so happen to be Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcast, Overcast.fm. You know what these sites are. Hop to them right now. Get yourself locked and loaded into the hottest show in the streets. But. We dive into our final topic of conversation on this week's edition of shows. Alabama head coach Nick Saban took the podium on Saturday of last week following Alabama's second scrimmage of spring ball prior to the A-Day game. And one of the main questions thrown at him concerns his feelings, his thoughts on players that choose to declare early for the NFL draft. Now, as you can tell, Saban has been pondering this question for quite some time because he attacked it head on. He mentioned how in the last five years, 380 players, these guys just don't necessarily have to come from Alabama, but 380 players the last five years have declared early for the draft. 25% of these guys do not get selected. The other 25% are out of the league by year three of the NFL. So 50% of players that declare early for the draft do not even get a chance to have their career lift up off the ground. One former Tide player kind of took offense to something Nick Saban said as, you know, Saban not mentioning any names basically said, hey, you know, we have a guy that played here at Alabama, was a third round pick, is uh, making third round money, which is not a lot. Uh, is right now starting for his current franchise. Should he have came back for his senior year, he probably would have been the number one guy taken in his position, probably could have been making 15 to $18 million more, and so on and so forth. And uh, the guy that took offense to that, despite the fact that Saban didn't mention any names, just so happened to be Ronnie Harrison, who played at Alabama from 2015 to 2017, the young man from Tallahassee, Florida, the former four-star prospect in the 2015 class. Now, in the 21st century nowadays, you don't really have to say anyone's name to get the rise out of people or to cause offense or to provoke people to do certain things. All you have to do nowadays is provide a description that somehow fits the character in question and people are immediately flying off the handle 
i.e. you got what Ronnie Harrison said, his rebuttal on Twitter on Sunday, as his rebuttal now is showing on screen, as it basically said something like this, coaches are being butthurt right now, you know, are you happy for a kid that goes out and pursues his dream, or is it just about your program, hashtag Bama, hashtag Saban, hashtag God's got this, hashtag keep my name out your mouth, which that part right there, had a lot of people jumping in a fence, and that's why people right now kind of have no dealings with Ronnie Harrison at this point. Am I saying that what he said was wrong? He has a right to his own opinion. Not saying what he said was wrong, but at the same time, there is a right way and a wrong way in your delivery of saying things. Ronnie Harrison probably could have just called Coach Nick and handled this with a little bit more tact, but it is what it is. Now, I'm going to argue this from the Nick Saban perspective as to why he's kind of the whole culture from Bama to the NFL is starting to frustrate Nick Saban a little bit so I'm going to argue this whole thing from Nick Saban's point of view now Nick Saban who is a hard-working man from West Virginia his whole ideal is he, he wants to have all of his guys go pro in a perfect world, he wants to see all of his children, all of his players, all of his athletes, all of his kids, you know, go to the NFL, get all the guaranteed money, be a top tier, top 20, you know, big name, can't miss prospect, right? But Nick Saban also knows that as a player, you got to have the intuition within yourself to make sure you're checking off all the boxes, to make sure you are leaving no stone left unturned. To make sure that without a shot it out, you are a top 20 concrete pick, regardless of how much politicking, because there is a bunch of politicking that goes on in football, especially in the NFL draft. Even when it comes down to the draft gurus like Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr., and no offense to those guys, they get paid for what they do. But from 2010 to 2014, during that five-year period, Mel Kuyper Jr. only got eight of 160 of his picks right. Eight of 160 of, the, of some of those picks there between 2010 and 2014, he only got eight of 160 right. That's 5%. Not a good number. Not a really good number. So when you look at a lot of these players that listen to family members and listen to friends that say, hey, you know, this draft analyst has got you top 10, top 20. He's got you going first round, going out there and get that money. This agent is pumping this guy up saying, hey, man, you know you top 10 worthy. You know you top 20 worthy. You know you the hottest thing smoking. You know you the baddest thing out there. Go out there and get that money. Nick Saban don't know what he's talking about. I mean, come on. Nick Saban didn't even last in the league himself. He flamed out with the Dolphins. He's just a college football coach. He don't know nothing. He ain't like these scouts that have been in the league 10, 20, 30, 40 plus years. He's not like these coaches, like your Belichick's, your, your Pete Carroll's, your Sean Payton. You're Sean McVay's. He's not like these coaches that know how to stay in the league. Nick Saban's a college coach. Man, you know what you're doing. You're the baddest thing out there. If these scouts told you you were top 5, top 10, top 15, top 20 pick, go out there, boy, and get to the check. Go out there and do your thing. But in hindsight, the family wants you to get the check so they can get some of the money off the check. 
the agent wants you to get the check so they can get money off the check too. That's why these agents represent hundreds upon thousands of players because they know the folks that are gonna get the Quentin Williams type money. They have about two or three of those and they have hundreds of folks that are gonna get the skimpy money to get them the little down payment. <laughs> That's why agents represent hundreds of thousands of players. A lot of players don't see the politicking that Nick sees. Just because you're being told you're being looked at at, by, at first round, second round, third round, whatever they slot you at, you got to watch what's going on because you don't know what's going to transpire in the draft. The first, the team that has the first overall pick can trade out the pick. The team that has folks trade out of picks, folks trade up. You have a situation that happened with in 2004 with Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers. Manning gets drafted to the Chargers. He don't want to go there. Here comes all of his rigmarole. They have to have all of his paperwork done. Eli then gets sent to the Giants. Phillip Rivers gets sent to the Chargers. You don't know how the dominoes are going to fall in the NFL until they fall on day one. Even the best of analysts don't know. And that's why Nick Saban does this every single year when you look at redshirt sophomores, redshirt juniors, true juniors, guys that have been in the program for at least three years of schooling, he sits down with the players, he sits down with their families, and he tells them, okay, if your draft grade is top five, top 10, top 15, top 20, if you are a concrete top 20 pick, go. That's what Nick Saban says. If you are a concrete top 20 pick, go. Now, if you fall in the bottom portion between picks 25 and 32 of your second round, third round, fourth round, etc., then Nick six, then Nick says, maybe you need to come back. It behooves you to come back. It's better for you to come back. It would profit you more if you come back. Why? Because maybe. There's a stone you left unturned. Maybe there's a box you did not check. Maybe there's something that you just didn't prove to the scouts and the scouts don't feel comfortable with labeling you as a safe, concrete, top 20 pick. And that's be and that's the reason why you may need to come back and prove yourself more. And, and there's a lot of players that Saban has mentioned that too, and they've taken Nick Saban's word to heart because these NFL scouts, these GMs, these coaches, these owners, these presidents, they trust Nick Saban's mind. They trust Nick Saban's acumen. They trust Nick Saban's business savvy. Why? Because they find themselves every Saturday in an Alabama game. They find themselves every weekday at an Alabama practice. They find themselves every offseason at an Alabama pro day asking Nick, yo, Nick, I'm really feeling this kid. Tell me about him. Hey, Nick, I really like this prospect. What do you think? Hey, Nick, let's talk ball about so-and-so and so-and-so. I feel like picking him up in this part of the draft. Sell me on this kid. They trust Nick's business savvy. That's why they're there every stinking time. So... With that being said, there have been a lot of players. One in particular that comes to mind is C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley in 2012 had a great year. 107 tackles, team high. Was among the team leaders in tackles for law, sacks. Even had two picks. That season, led Alabama to an SEC championship uh, victory. Was a consensus All-American. Won a BCS national title. And probably would have been a first to second round pick. But Nick Saban says, hey, man, 
Come on back, CJ. Come on back. M maybe there's a stone that you left unturned that you didn't think you left unturned. M maybe there's something that you can be even better with. Probably in CJ's mind, he's probably thinking, Coach, I did all I was supposed to do. What more could I do? But because he knows this is Nick Saban and he's got every coach and GM on speed dial, CJ Mosley comes back. 2013, let the team in tackles again with 108. Nine tackles for loss, five pass breakups, nine quarterback hurries. The kid, All-American again. The young man, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. The young man, Buckkiss Award winner. The young man, concrete top 20 pick in the 2014 draft. He went 17th overall to the Baltimore Ravens. And then using that Nick Saban business savvy, he parlayed that into getting a massive contract from the New York Jets. Five years, $85 million guaranteed. Well, $85 million, $51 million of that guaranteed. Why? Because he listened to Nick Saban from the get-go. Not just C.J. Mosley, though he's the biggest one, but you had guys like Reggie Ragland. You had a number of different players to do that. Why? Nick Saban wants to see all of his guys go first round, top 20, but he wants to make sure that the player themselves do that concrete diligence. Because at the end of the day, you want the guaranteed money. And when you fall from first overall to 10th overall in the first round, the slip in guaranteed money ain't that bad. But once you fall from 10 to like 32, there's a difference of millions of dollars that are lost there. So pretty much you can imagine, once you hit that second, third, fourth round, there ain't no guaranteed money. And when I look at Ronnie Harrison's contract, according to SpotRack.com, he signed four years, 3.38 mil. Signing bonus, $803,000. So, with that being said, you know Uncle Sam going on his money. So you take that 3.38 million, you divide that by two, that's $1,690,000. So once you divide that 1690000 by four via the years of the contract, now you're looking at just a little bit over $420,000. A little over $420,000, which for the average Joe, hey, that's cool. But for a guy like, you know, Ronnie Harrison, not the amount of money that you would really want to see yourself get because guys in corporate jobs with a master's degree can get that much money. So what Nick Saban is trying to say here is count up the cost regardless of what family members say, regardless of what friends say, regardless of what different analysts say, really count the cost. There is a culture going on that Nick Saban trying to get in front of and it's the culture of because i went to bama because i played for the crimson tide because i played under nick saban the doors of the nfl should be wide open to me regardless of if i go first round second round third round fourth round even if i'm an undrafted rookie free agent i should get an opportunity because i came from nick of whom people regard as the guru, people regard as the man, people regard as the main guy on top of Mount Rushmore in terms of coaching. And uh, I can choose when I want to leave. I can choose when I want to go. That, that's the culture going on right now. And Nick Saban trying to stop, trying to get in front of that culture, which is the reason why he mentioned 
he has to change his style of recruiting now. His way of recruiting now has become uh, you come to college to pick up the skills necessary to have if football doesn't work for you when you no longer can play football. You come to get the skills to better yourself, to market yourself because football is not going to last forever. But a lot of these kids aren't seeing that. But these kids are seeing, especially 18 years old, coming to Alabama, while their minds are not fully developed yet, they're seeing there's only a select few schools I can go to and make that business decision. And on the top of that list is Alabama. If I go to Bama, I'm going to the NFL. Everybody going to see me. Everybody going to watch me. I'm on live TV. If I go to Alabama, it doesn't matter where I fall in the draft. It doesn't matter where I fall in terms of the eyes of the NFL because I came through Nick. Them doors are going to open. That's not necessarily the case. And that's what Nick Saban is trying to get to the skulls of these players. Yes, I teach you, but you're going to have to take into the account what you are doing as an individual to put yourself in the ideal situation to have success in terms of the National Football League and the draft. Mac Wilson, another one of those players, probably should have came back. Savion Smith, another one. More than likely, both of those two should have came back. But they felt like, hey, I came from Nick Saban. I've done enough. These scouts are telling me I'm a first-round pick. I'm a second-round pick. I will get drafted. Let me go ahead and get this money while the money's good. Hopefully, it pans out for him. I don't disagree with what Nick Saban said. I don't disagree with what Ronnie Harrison said, though he could have used a bit more tact in what he said. But at the end of the day, in terms of Nick Saban, he just wants these players to really weigh out the options and get paid what they deserve instead of just jumping off in any and everything because they heard it from some scout or they heard it from some analyst or, you know, feeding off the influence of family or friends to where they know in themselves they're not quite ready and it would behoove them to come back for another year. Nick Saban just wanted what's best for the kids in that right. That's going to do it here, folks, for this episode, this week's edition of In My Own Words. When we start the next edition of shows, we will recap the second scrimmage starting off. I will give my five takeaways from the final scrimmage of spring ball as Alabama's A-Day game will be on April 13th, that's Saturday. Also, we'll get a chance to talk about my man, Jarez Parks. And while I feel as though he will be a prime time force in the upcoming season. For all of us here at Touchdown Alabama Magazine, I'm yours truly, Stephen M. Smith. Enjoy your week. Till next time, folks. Say my own words. So long, everybody. <laughs>